nothing knows. Nothing knows. Nothing knows. Welcome back to the Nothing Owed podcast. Listen along as accomplished guests discuss success and failures during their journeys as entrepreneurs, business owners, and investors. Bettering your position starts by learning from those who went before you. That learning experience can happen anywhere, in the car, at the beach, or on a treadmill. There are no excuses for where you end up in life. If you want something bigger, the time to take action is now. There is no better time in history to achieve success. The hosts, Brian and Stu, are both Marine Corps veterans who believe life is what you make it. Your place in life is determined by your decisions. If you want more information on the podcast, please check out the website at nothingowed.com. No BS stands for Nothing Owed with Brian and Stu. That's what you're going to get with the show. Are you ready? Welcome back, everybody. This is Stu. I've got my co-host, Brian Hanna. Today on the show, we've got my friend, Brandon Cox. He is a United States Marine, works with me at work. And what he does on the side, which I found to be very interesting, that those are the people we try and bring on the show, people we can learn from. Brandon has his own Amazon store and is very creative with how he creates passive income. And honestly, it just really interested me. And I think there's a lot of guests out there that could learn from it. And so we'll get into all that. So let's just start with Brandon, uh, can you just introduce yourself and talk about what you do for your day job first? Stu and Brian, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you know, I, I think it's a really, really cool endeavor you guys have here, and I'm, I'm glad to be part of it. Uh, so my day job, I'm a United States Marine. I, I, uh, I work at the 2nd Marine Division, which is a unique and interesting place to work uh, in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Um, I'm a, I'm a the deputy current operations officer, which means that I just uh, I get to deal with the day-to-day, day-in, day-out hustle and bustle of things that are going on, um, and it's a it's a busy and busy and exciting job currently. It means you shoot emails to angry regimental opso, uh, opsos, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I'm the guy that gets to bug everybody about the things that nobody else wants to talk about. So, <laughs> good stuff I get. All right. So, how long you been in, Brandon? I've been over a little bit over 21 years, uh, so been it's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's time time to uh, and, and my side hustle kind of kind of plays into this. Time to see what's going on after the Marine Corps and you know trying to set myself up for a a, a different lifestyle when I'm done with the uh, with the Marines. Yeah. All right. So great. So that was what I was trying to to pull on. So you've been at 21 years. That's a a very long time. You know, longer than. Most people have been alive going senior in high school. So 21 years, it's hard to really wrap your brain around it. And so you've been doing this thing and you see the end in sight. So how far out are you right now from transitioning out? Uh, I've probably got another year and a half, two years. Um, You know, it's one of those things that I I like to keep my options open, Um, you know, just in case I I decide I want to keep, keep doing the military, keep, keep being a Marine. Uh, but I'm also, you know, trying to set myself up to, to transition out and make sure that uh, I've, I've got a w- good way to provide for my family uh, if I do decide to retire in another year and a half or so. Yeah, absolutely. So whether you're 
staying in or getting out, treat it as if you're going to stay in for a career, uh, but also make the way for opportunities if, if you are to make that transition. So before we get to the Amazon stuff, talk to me about, you know, you've been making a paycheck on the 1st and the 15th. How long ago and what was it where you started doing maybe some other things that got your, your, your taste buds going for some passive income? Yes, it's, uh, I started Amazon, uh, I think, I want to say 2016. I was actually uh, going through a, a, a PME school, a professional military education school. And I had a buddy that was doing uh, what's called private labeling on Amazon, where basically you create your own version of a product. And um, he was making a lot of money. He, he uh, I want to say it was over $100,000 that he netted uh, the, the year before. And, you know, he kind of introduced me to how to do that. And, uh, I'm looking around, I'm like, wow, I, it, it didn't seem like he was spending a whole bunch of time doing it. Um, and you know, he still worked full time and I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool. Maybe I can, you know, make a little money here and there. It, at the time it wasn't, uh, it wasn't really an off ramp for the military for me. It was more just, uh, you know, let's see if I can, get some extra cash and, and, you know, provide some of those, you know, nice vacations and whatnot for the family. Um, and, and that's, that's when I started that was in 2016 doing uh, private label sales on Amazon. What is describe private label? Cause I don't think I understand. So private label is where, uh, and th so the first product I had was a, uh, a manual coffee grinder. So, you know, it was a, 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 a item out there and I didn't necessarily invent it, but I made it my own. I put my uh, little tweaks on it here and there with the manufacturer. I put my uh, logo on it, got a logo, got a brand, built a brand on it. Um, and then I, you know, I found a manufacturer and at the time I was using uh, Alibaba.com, which is a, uh, a very large platform, uh, primarily based in China, but they also have manufacturers throughout the world that you can work with. And you basically go on there and you, you say, okay, I want this, I want to look for this kind of product. Um, and then you contact the manufacturers that can make that product and say, okay, well, can you make this tweak or, you know, can you put it in this kind of packaging and okay, I want this kind of logo. And, you know, you just, you, you negotiate with them on, on how, how to get it to where you want it. And then uh, they make it and they ship it to you. So I was getting, pallets of uh, coffee grinders and then coffee scoops. And then I started doing uh, some stainless steel tumblers like the Yeti style tumblers. Um, and I, I started, that was where I started on Amazon was doing private label like that. Just basically taking a, a pre existing product and making a few tweaks to make it, you know, a little more unique or a little different um, and then selling it under, under my brand uh, on Amazon. How has the, the quality been for the products you get from Alibaba? Have you had to um, have you had to reject a lot of the items, or have they been pretty strict on their their QC? Well, so they Alibaba doesn't do anything with the product once you uh, order it. They they do uh, they will guarantee sort of. I've never had to uh, call them on it, but they'll guarantee a, a purchase. But they they don't actually do any kind of inspection. They're just they're basically like Amazon for a third party seller. You gotcha. they they connect you and then you they send you through. The, there are companies you can hire that will do inspections, uh, where it's China or India or Bangladesh or wherever, um, and they will actually you can give them your criteria. So you can say you know uh, for the for the my tumblers, uh, I want all the logos to be 
precise. I want all the, uh, the, the packaging to, to have, you know, no perfection, no imperfections or look like this or look like that. And they will, based off your metrics, give you a pass or a fail. So let's say I, I'm okay with 90% being good and 10% having slight flaws. Um, and, you know, they will stick to whatever your metric is with the inspection there at the manufacturing place. Uh, but I personally have not done those. I'm not patroning those. Um, I, what I would do is I would uh, negotiate with the manufacturer and say, okay, this is how many I want to order. This is what I want. I want you to send me samples. Um, and so they'll send you, you know, they'll send you a sample of whatever you want. They depend on who, who it is and what you're ordering. Uh, you know, they may just charge you a, like 50 bucks for a sample, right? Cause they're sending you one, a one off of whatever you're asking for. Right. Um, some things you have to pay for a mold. So like my, my stainless steel tumblers, I have a embossed logo, you know, like a sticks out logo. And so I had to pay like, a, I think a $200 mold fee. So they, that, that factory has my mold. And whenever I call and order up an, another order, take my mold out and, and it was just a one-time fee. So I, I don't pay that every time I order anymore. Some, some companies are, are known for, you know, initially upfront giving you a really good quality as you reorder dwindling over time. But I personally haven't had that problem. And is there, is there something that you would look for for someone that's trying to do what you're doing? Is there something that you could recommend someone look for in one of those companies? You know, anything that sets one apart from another? Yeah. So on Alibaba, um, they have ratings. Um, okay. So it's, it's kind of like they have star system, but they also have different badges, which, I mean, I, I'm a little skeptical of those because I've heard you can buy a badge uh, if you're a company on Alibaba. Sure. So, you know, if you're, if you're trying to say I have uh, this level of quality, um, I'm, I'm a little skeptical on those, but it also tells you how long they've been on the platform. Okay. So, you know, if you see a brand new one, I'm like, eh, you know, maybe I'll let someone else try them first and go with a more established company on there. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So this is kind of just a random story, Brandon, but I used to go to, well, I still do uh, Bunker Labs entrepreneur organization events. And the best thing that they offer is called Bunker Brews. It's really just a networking event. You drink. And I was talking to this guy and on one of the last solar eclipses, this, this meeting was back in 2015. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know when the solar eclipse was, but I met this guy and he's telling me, Hey, I just made six figures. So he saw a solar eclipse coming, realized on Amazon, there was no solar eclipse sunglasses, went on Alibaba and we're talking like bought like a quarter million dollars worth of the wholesale solar mm -hmm. eclipse glasses, which like, wow, imagine the risk of doing that. And then, sold them and made about a million dollars peddling solar eclipse sunglasses and didn't do anything other than, you know, see the writing on the wall, go and get it before at hand so that people didn't have to wait on the shipment from China, flooded Amazon with it and made quite a lot of money. And I just remember thinking how brilliant that was. So, so you just brought up a really good point that, uh, that happens with private label, right? So the, another one that was like that was fidget spinners. When those things first came out, if you were first to market with those, you made tons of money. I didn't personally, uh, I, was, I was late on that one, but um, the, the risk and part of why I've started sort of transitioned my Amazon business is in private label, the, the good thing is you own the product. So if, if you know, it does well, you do well. But if you buy a quarter million dollars worth of uh, solar eclipse glasses and someone beats you to the punch, you've got a whole bunch of really cool yeah. glasses that you're going to have for a long time. <laughs> yep. 
Um, and so that's why I, I started transitioning more into what's called uh, retail arbitrage, where I will go to, you know, stores around town, Walmart, Lowe's, and I, and I will, I, I have no limits. I will sell anything I can make money on, on this platform. Um, but so I, I'll go and I'll, I'll scan items that are either on sale or on clearance and see what they sell for on Amazon. And All right, so let's stop there because yeah. I think I understand what you're talking about, but most people don't. So I go into a okay. store, I see a Nalgene water bottle. How yeah. do you scan it to know how it's selling? So there's a Amazon seller uh, app that if you're an Amazon seller, you can get this app, you can download this app and you just scan the barcode on whatever, uh, whatever item it is, the, the UPC. And it will bring up, if that item is on Amazon, it will bring that listing up and it will show you how much it sells for, how many sellers there are. And then you can, there's a little uh, feature on the Amazon app where you can type in what your purchase price is. Um, and then it will tell you after Amazon's fees, um, you know, cause you can, I do what's called fulfillment by Amazon or FBA where I send all my product into Amazon and then they ship it when someone buys it. You can also do uh, what's called FBM or fulfillment by merchant where I make the listing and then I keep the product. And when someone buys it off Amazon, I have to package it up and ship it out, uh, which is much more time intensive. Um, so it'll, you can tell either way what, what your profit is gonna be um, after all the Amazon fees and, and whatnot. Um, so I'll, I will, scan let's say the Nalgene bottle uh, let's say it's uh, it's on clearance for three dollars uh, and I can sell it on Amazon for 20 and you know the after fees I make seven to ten dollars I'm like okay well, uh, well let's buy some Nalgene bottles and uh, I'll, I'll bring them back to my house so that's one of the downsides of the real retail arbitrage is, is I have to bring it home you know I have to find stuff and bring it home but then I uh, my rhythm right now is every Sunday I spend packing stuff up and sending it off to Amazon and clearing out the space in my, uh, in my office to, when uh, you do the app, it, does it show you how much it costs to ship it to Amazon for them, the FBA? No, it doesn't. So what I do is I, I try to get as much stuff as I can to send at one time. That's yeah. why I'll wait till Sunday. So I'll, I may go out, throughout the week two or three times sourcing items. Um, and then I just wait till I can box a bunch of stuff up and send it into to Amazon. Cause the, you know, I depend on how, how the products are, uh, you know, I can put a whole bunch of stuff in one box and that spread loads the shipping cost. And when you ship with Amazon, it's, I mean, it's dirt cheap. The, uh, you know, I send a 15 pound box for like $5 and uh, it, it just, helps when you have more products in, in the box. Now, do they charge you for shelf space? So how does that work? So let's say on a Sunday, you have a huge box where you've got 30 different pieces of merch. You're sending it to Amazon so that they can send it to the individual buyer. But like, let's say that box of 30 things doesn't sell. Are you charged now additional fees? And, and how does that work? Yeah, so they do charge you uh, based off uh, the cubic footage. Um, and it's, so when they get your stuff to their warehouse, it doesn't stay in one bin for you. It just spreads out to wherever that item goes with other like items in your warehouse. Um, or 
depending on the product, but that's generally how it works. And you do have a monthly charge. It's not really that much. Um, where you run into higher fees for, for storage is when you have a long-term storage fee. So if you have products in the warehouse that don't sell for six months or a year, then they, the, the, on that six month or that one year, you, you get a, a higher, higher charge um, based off the square, cubic square feet of whatever product it is. And so because of that, I try to keep my uh, products that I buy, I try to make sure that they have a good enough, uh, what, what's called on Amazon, the best seller rank or BSR, that every item has one and it tells you how well it sells. So one is the best, kind of like golf, one is the best and, you know, 10,000 or 100,000 is, is not great. Well, 10,000 is good in some places, but um, so I, that's one of my metrics I look for when I'm sourcing products. Uh, you know, sometimes you get lured in with a, you get a product that's, you buy them for five bucks and it sells for a hundred and you're like, wow, I'm going to make a bunch of money on this. But if it has a really, really bad BSR, there's a chance that you're either never going to sell it or you're going to hold on to it for a long time. So I, I try to find things with low BSRs that I know are going to sell through quickly. Uh, that way, one, I get my money back out of the product and I get whatever profit I'm going to have. But also, I don't have it lingering there in, in uh, Amazon's warehouse for a long time. Now, do the I've heard also that it's seasonal. So like November through December, shelf space, the, the rates go up. Is that accurate? Yeah. So they have uh, the, during the holiday season, they, they do increase your cubic foot. Uh, I don't know exactly what is. I, I don't really I don't pay a whole lot of attention to uh, their storage fee charge, uh, primarily because I just don't really, I don't have stuff that's, that stays that long. So I have a, I have a tracker that I keep of every product I send in, which is, you know, part, partly for tax purposes, but also, uh, so I know what I have in the warehouse, how long I've had it. And about once a month, I'll scrub through that. And if I see something that's been in there for a long time, I'll, you know, adjust the price to, to either make it more competitive or just to liquidate it and get rid of it. And, and so I, I try not to focus too much on the on their storage fees, but you know, a way if if someone's doing this kind of business and they don't want to pay that, they could always do the uh, FBM and you know you keep it, ship it. You never have to pay the the storage fee, and you also don't pay their their pick and pack fee, which is what they charge you to actually ship it out. Are there are there some items that you decide to um, do the FBM, or do you just as a rule send everything into Amazon? Uh, so if I have a large item, uh, a good example, I had some, uh, some kayak carts that I bought like it was last year, year before, and it's just a very large box. And so for me to ship it into Amazon was just going to be a ridiculous price. Also, I was going to have to find a box to put them in because they won't accept just the box with a label on it. Um, the, 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 the product box, you have to put it in some other packaging. Um, and so something like that, I'll just FBM it and sit, you know, mail it out. Cause I, I also do some stuff on eBay. So some items I can't sell on Amazon either because, um, either because Amazon has the product restricted or because the manufacturer requires a, an approval. So like a good example, I find these all the time and I can't sell them like Levi's jeans or Levi's jean jackets. Uh, you have to be approved by Levi's to sell their items. I just, I don't even bother with them if it's going to be for Amazon, but 
if uh, if I find something like that that I see sells well on Amazon, um, I'll look at eBay and see how well it sells on eBay. And if it's worth my time, uh, then I'll purchase it and list it on eBay. Like I've got a couple. I just I just ransacked about uh, seven uh, academies here a few weeks ago, and uh, I've got a, a couple uh, like scopes, like gun scopes that uh, I can't sell on Amazon, and I'm listing those on eBay. And I've got some some other products that I, you know, I, if if I can make enough money on and it's worth me taking the time to pack it up and ship it out, then I'll I'll buy it and list it on eBay. Brandon, how do we, for the bigger items? How do you know what shipping is going to be? Because like if you put it on eBay or Amazon and you're doing FBM or you're selling it on eBay, unless you physically take it into the post office, like how do you know how much it's going to be? So I just, I, I, I guesstimate, right? So if it's something that um, I think I can make enough money on and I, I've, I'd say I've shipped a lot of stuff and I don't know that I've ever paid more than like 15 or 20 bucks for shipping. So if, if I've got enough margin within the, you know, what the, the, the profit is going to be before shipping. I'll go ahead and buy it. Um, and you know, if it's something I'm not sure on, then I'll just I'll just pass on it and and not get it. One I I, I did run into. Uh, I, I made three dollars on a hundred thirty five dollar sale the other day. Was I I bought a bunch of uh, HP uh, ink cartridges, like the the really big ones for the big fancy printers, and I had to sell them on eBay. Um, and I was like, well, you know, this is, this is not bad. I see a guy's got, uh, uh, the multi-pack that has all the colors, you know, black, cyan, blah, blah, blah. And so sold it for 135 bucks. I got each one for $18. And I'm like, okay, no, that's not bad. Um, yeah. And the shipping killed me. So I ended up, uh, ended up making $3 off the $135 sale. And so that's one I'm not going to repeat, but you know, it's one of those things where you, you just learn as you go and you kind of get a feel for, what works and what doesn't. I mean, I've, I've still got some stuff that I've sourced and, you know, I thought I was like, Oh, this is going to sell really quickly. And then the, uh, the number I thought I was looking at was not the number that was really, uh, really there on Amazon. So uh, I end up, it's, I end up having some extra things every now and then I usually just take those into work and let the Marines have them. Uh, <laughs> makes everybody happy. <laughs> hey, talk to me about you brought it up a little bit with Levi but talk to me about, and, and Levi is that company protecting, you know, authorized dealers, yeah. but there's also something about selling new and selling like new. Can you go through what that's like? Cause theoretically you could have a brand new thing, but you can't sell it on Amazon as a brand new thing, even though you can't sell it. Is that correct? Yeah. So there's a, there's a few things I've, I've had like that. So, um, some brands like every now and then I'll get a letter from a brand saying, Hey, uh, you can't sell our product as new. You need to take your listing down. Even though in on Amazon's platform, I'm allowed to. So GoPro is a good example of that. I had uh, I had some, I had a bunch of GoPro stuff. Uh, the one that I that's coming to mind was a uh, an attachment where you can uh, you can put it on a surfboard or or a weight wakeboard or something like that. And I got the got the nasty gram from GoPro, and you know I don't. I don't want to put my account in jeopardy. So I don't want a company filing a complaint or a, or a copyright infringement. So, you know, if, if I get a letter like that from a company, I'm going to do what they asked me to just because, you know, if I, if, if Amazon uh, shuts my lip, my uh, profile down, then I'm, I just don't make money. Um, so what they told me was, Hey, this is a, you know, when we sell this new, it comes with a warranty. 
you're not an authorized distributor. So if you sell it new, you are not, you're not conveying the warranty that we give with a new product. And I said, you know, I had a little communication with them back and forth and they, they say, yeah, you, you know, if you want to sell it used, you can do that. We're fine with that because the warranty doesn't come with it. So what I ended up doing was um, just selling it used like new and putting a little blurb in there on the listing that it was brand new in the packaging without the warranty. Um, and so, you know, so that'll happen every now and then. Um, some, some companies, uh, you know, just you, you can't, or some products rather, you can't sell used on Amazon. So, you know, if you have that situation, like I, I've got a whole bunch, uh, bunch of Wustoff kitchen uh, utensil sets that I bought. And at the time I could sell them and so I sent them all in and I've still got about nine boxes of them in my, my garage right now. Uh, and then when I got them into Amazon, the company put a restriction on their products. So, uh, and I couldn't sell them. I couldn't, couldn't change the listing and I couldn't sell them any different way. So I got a whole bunch of those and uh, they're not selling anywhere else. So someone's going to have a good Thanksgiving this year when I bring in a bunch of sets to work. <laughs> and can you also, so, Amazon does a very good job of protecting the consumer, but can almost be ruthless when it comes to the seller. You can go any different direction with examples of this, but let's focus on the customer levies a complaint against you, the seller, whether valid or not valid. And I know you had some experiences with this. Can you just talk about from your perspective, uh, what it's like being a seller on Amazon when the customers get a lot of the protections? Yeah, so uh, Amazon is the large business incorporation it is now because they treat customers so well. Um, and along with that comes an expectation from the customer, right? So the customer expects everything to be perfect every time. And I don't blame them. I do too. When I buy stuff on Amazon, I, I want a good experience. Um, and so in my opinion, Amazon errs on the side of, of protecting the customer every time. A uh, good example of this, and it, it ended up working out okay for me, but, and I, Stu, I, I didn't talk, I, I should have mentioned this to you when we were talking the other day, because it's, it's a really good description or depiction of this. Uh, I had a product that I sold and I, I shipped it uh, FBM because it was a, it was a little heavy and I didn't want to send it in. Uh, got to the customer, uh, the customer, a few days into having it, sent me a message and said, Hey, this thing doesn't work. I don't like it. And I said, okay, um, send it back and I'll give you a refund. A couple of days later, customer sends another email, uh, says, Hey, I never got the product. Uh, like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. And so I, I send a note to Amazon just to let them know, Hey, this is what's going on. Uh, I told the customer that I would give a refund if you return the product because that's that's how their their refund works is they they will issue they'll issue the refund but you have to return the product to to keep the refund um, and so then the guy filed what's called an A to Z complaint against me um, and that is that is the kiss of death on an Amazon seller profile if you have a bad A to Z complaint. So I got a notice from Amazon saying, hey, you know, your, your profile is under review, blah, 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 blah. They asked me to refund the guy. And I, again, sent them my back and forth with the customer and, and said, you know, this, this guy is trying to fraud me. He, he received the product. I asked him to return it for a refund. 
He later said he never received the product. Um, so, you know, if you tell me to refund him, I will. If not, then I won't. It, it ended up working out for me and, and they, they didn't make me do a refund. But, you know, that's just a, that's a good example of, of how they, you know, they're, they're going to go with the customer first and foremost. And then the seller has to work to prove that, you know, they, they're the one right. Um, another thing that they do that I, I'm not a big fan of is, so let's say, and I just had a few of these happen to me. Customer says that the uh, item was delivered late by carrier because, you know, Amazon guarantees delivery by whatever date when you purchased it. Uh, they will, if, if the person asks for a refund, they will give a refund immediately and they take the money from my account. So I sold a $125 pair of shoes that someone bought. It was delivered late, not, not, not delivered, but delivered late by the carrier. So they get a $125 refund. Uh, they have 45 days uh, within which to return the product. Um, so in that 45 days, I'm just out the $125, right? Because a lot of times if it's delivered late by the carrier, they're not going to return it, uh, it, at least in my experience. But I have to wait for that 45-day period, and then I have to file a complaint with Amazon and say, hey, can you give me my money back because the customer never returned the product? Um, and and they, they do that a lot. They... Uh, they, they're big into copyright infringement. So if someone, someone makes a complaint and says, hey, this product isn't legit, regardless of whether it is or isn't, Amazon's gonna flag your account. Uh, and it's, it's one of those frustrating things where you, know, you, you can show, you, you have to show as much proof as possible to Amazon that you know, this is where I got it, this is why it's legit. And it, and it can get frustrating from time to time. How's your experience been with communication with, with Amazon? Because uh, just as an example, like I use eBay frequently and their customer service is next to worthless. They don't seem to even understand the questions that I'm asking. So have you found that Amazon is more receptive or are they just hands off? You know, what's your experience been? Yeah. So uh, on the seller side, uh, it's getting more frustrating uh, in that. So if, if I, when I first started, it was a lot easier to, to file a, concern or complaint or whatever you want to call it. So now you haven't there, you can't just pick up the phone and, and call a number or if they have one, I don't, I can't find it anywhere. Okay. So you have to start it online. Um, and then you, they ha they've automated so much stuff that you'll, you'll typically get like an automated response right. of this, that, or the other. Uh, and then maybe a couple of days later, you'll get a follow-up. Um, frequently it's outsourced. Um, and a lot of their call centers are in India and you get sometimes very, very hard to follow responses. Okay. And, I'll, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't think you understood my question. This yeah. is what I'm trying to get clarified. Uh, their, their stateside support, if you can get a hold of uh, their catalog team that's based in the U.S., always extremely helpful. I've, I've had nothing but fabulous assistance when I actually get someone uh, that's stateside on the phone, they, they are very, very helpful, uh, but getting to them is difficult. Yeah, that's similar to that's similar to my eBay experience. That's interesting. I was say on eBay, uh, I've not dealt with their customer service much, but I, I like much more their, they let you communicate with the customer way more. Amazon, um, they don't really want you talking to their customers, uh, especially with F the FBA model, um, and, and customers can opt out of receiving emails from you too. So it's, that makes it a little more difficult. 
Interesting. Do you run all of this through an LLC? I do. Yep. And so then my question would be, so someone that's starting this, they create an LLC. That process is pretty easy. You can find it online, set up a Amazon store. That process would be tied to the EIN of the LLC mm -hmm. you create. You give them a driver's license and then boom, you got a store. But sales tax, talk to me about that. How does sales tax work when you're sending it in FBA and now it's being sold all over the United States? Are you paying individual state taxes in all these states? So uh, there's a few different uh, schools of thought on that. Um, I pay sales tax in North Carolina. So I, I collect and remit sales tax in the state of North Carolina because that's where I'm based. Um, Amazon in certain states will collect and remit sales tax for you. Uh, so even if you don't have, uh, was it agency, what do they, they call it? Agency, I think, I don't know. Even if you're not in that state, they will, based on the state law, collect and remit sales tax for purchases in, in various states. Um, so I, I don't file sales tax in any other state. There's some folks uh, that would argue that, you know, if, you're, if you have product in a warehouse in California, then you're required to, to pay California uh, state sales tax. And, and I'll be the first to say I'm not a, a lawyer, so please don't take my advice as, as uh, something you should follow. This is just what I do. I'm, I'm of the opinion that, you know, I, I send my product to Amazon and it, Amazon puts it where they want to put it. So I, I, don't, I don't feel like that is my responsibility to, to file sales tax in all those other states. Well, I bring it up because <laughs> I, yes, good point. You're not a lawyer, you're not a CPA, but it's absolutely a gray area yeah. and everyone is playing the same game. And if you were to get a lawyer there, I think they're in every state is different, but ultimately, like you said, the, are you filed in the state? And then what's the frequency and the bulk that you're sending to that state and each state is unique, but for the individual that is just doing what you're doing, there doesn't seem to be very specific guidance out there. And it's almost left up to each person's judgment because one person selling stuff is not going to read the bylaws of the 50 States. It's just unreasonable. So it's almost like it's Amazon needs to come out with a policy, but they haven't done that. You know, I, cause I was selling stuff on Amazon too. And it was, a, I had the same conversation with my partner. Yeah. And, and it's um, you know, some States it, it can be kind of costly to, to, to set up that uh, sales tax account. So, you know, that's, if, if you're someone that's selling and making maybe, you know, five to 500 bucks a month, it's not worth it for you to, to file for sales tax in California because you're going to pay for it. Um, and the other thing is, you know, if I'm doing that low of a, of a, of a sales revenue, I would hope that various States aren't like, Oh, you know what, this guy sold, $25 worth of stuff in our state, we're going to, you know, we're going after them. I mean, I, again, I would, I would hope that states don't do that, but I, I do agree that, uh, and it's my opinion that Amazon should be collecting and remitting sales tax, um, <clears throat> excuse me, should be collecting and remitting sales tax on purchases wherever they sell them. Cause I mean, they, not only is it much easier for them to do it because it's their platform, but they determine where your product goes. Um, so I, I, I think it's a case of, of them, you know, they're, they're a very large corporation that make a lot of money, but they also protect as much as they can their own, their own business. And I, my assumption is they feel like it's not their responsibility 
and it, it would cost them money to do so. So, you know, I, I think Amazon and I are going to have to agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> yeah, that seems like it would be impossible for a normal person to figure out because I know a lot of states, like they have state tax or state sales tax and they have county tax. And then if you have all these additional sales taxes on top of the state tax. So as an individual person, I don't think you can keep track of all that. So it's very difficult. I have a uh, software I pay 20 bucks a month for. Um, uh, it's called TaxJar. And it keeps track of all that for me. So it has an API tied into the, the Amazon account. Okay. Um, and it, without that, like if I were just trying to figure out my North Carolina sales tax, no, there's no way. There's, just, there's no way I would be able to do it. And because and, like you said, you know, Mecklenburg County has transportation, you know, hypothetically, transportation tax, uh, the standard tax some food tax or some crazy stuff like that. And so, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to know what to collect and how much to collect. Uh, and this, you know, soft, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of things that I send to send to someone else to do, but that is, that is one of the things I, I subscribe to every month just so, you know, they keep track of it and I can remit sales tax. That's Talk to me about uh, pictures, Amazon. Mm -hmm. Do you do pictures? Cause that seems to be a big point of friction with specifications of pictures. Yeah. So the, uh, the pictures are, are tricky. Um, some of my pictures from my private label stuff I, I took in, in, uh, I mean, they're not great. So, uh, they have, they have requirements for their, the, the main photo, uh, what, what the requirement is, is that it's ju just the product on a white background. It's gotta be a certain size, certain resolution. Um, and then, you know, after that, if, after the main product, you can have props, you can have all that stuff. They, I don't know how well they enforce it now. When I was first doing this, they were very strict. And then sometimes they weren't. So they're, you know, they're, they're hit, hit and miss. But um, having good pictures is one of the easier ways to get good sales on Amazon. So it's, it's really, it's important to have good ones. But it's also, you know, it, it's something you have to outsource unless you're just really good with, you know, Photoshop and taking photos and stuff. But they, uh, they, they definitely do like to have a standard way of, that, of every photo showing up. And as opposed to eBay, you can, you, know, you can put pretty much whatever you want as a photo on eBay and, and they'll accept it. Do you outsource photos? Uh, so I, I don't really take any right now, but because um, like, so say I find a pair of shoes that I'm, and I, I pull up the listing. I just, I put my listing on that, let's say Nike, uh, Nike shoes. I put my my listing on that, basically just saying that on that Nike listing, I show up as a seller. I don't change that listing. I don't add anything to it. I don't take anything from it. I just sell on that pre-established listing. But um, you know, my wife and I were actually talking earlier today about starting some new uh, new products, new product lines, and you know, it's one of the things that we'll have to do is is make the take the photos and i'm the kind of guy that thinks i can figure everything out right so i'm gonna try it i've got a nice camera i bought one a couple of years ago to do this stuff i got like the backdrop and the lights and all that so you know we'll see the living room will be lit up for a couple of days but uh, i'm not sure what the end product will be have you ever had any products at amazon that, that didn't sell i mean how's the process for getting items back there's a couple of things that happen with that. So let's say returns, right? So you, you buy a pair of shoes. You don't like, I had someone do this to me. They bought a pair of shoes. They wore them a few times, ran through some really nice sticky red clay, and then they decide to send them back. Uh, and so what Amazon will do, you can set it up to do an automatic return once a month. 
So any of my non-sellable items uh, that are either customer returns or that get damaged in the warehouse or uh, on, on route to the warehouse, I do a one once a month purge basically and have them send that stuff back to my house. Uh, right now, my son is wearing that pair of shoes that got right <laughs> uh, But the the other thing, so let's say I have a, you know, and it primarily happens with private label stuff. You know, you got something you send in and it's just not selling and you're paying for it in storage. Uh, like I had some of uh, my uh, tumblers, the, the, some of the larger ones that were in there for over a year. And so I, I tried to just, you know, cut the price and then it got to where I'm, I'm basically paying Amazon to sell them. Uh, and so then it's like, all right, create a removal order. You have to pay for it. Um, but then they'll, you know, they'll ship it back to you. Uh, and I, I really haven't had that problem with, with anything else, but yeah, they, they will send it back to you they, for, you know, for a fee obviously, but right. they do have some times where they will offer a free removal, basically when it's getting ready to be a big holiday period. Uh, the only free part is they don't charge you to pull it. They charge you for the shipping, but they don't charge you to pull it off the shelf. If I create a removal order on my own without that promotion going on, then I pay for them to take it off the shelf and put it in a box. Let's talk about uh, retail stores. Mm -hmm. So part of your model is when you see stuff on clearance or, you know, marked down 50% down, 75% down, and you scan it and it's selling well and it's selling for a lot more on Amazon, you buy it in bulk. You recently told me that some stores are getting a little bit savvier and realizing that there's money there. So just talk through how that's kind of evolving right now in, in the market. Yeah, so the uh, Walmart used to be a pretty good source for me uh, for clearance items, um, them and Lowe's. And within the last couple of years, I've noticed um, they are doing a lot more liquidation business. So instead of leaving their stuff on the shelves to sell at a clearance price, they pack a bunch of that stuff up and they sell it to a third-party liquidating service. Uh, and there's there's a actually a business here in in uh, Wilmington where I live that does uh, liquidation sales. So they sell pallets of, you know, shelf pools or returns and stuff like that. So I, I've noticed that um, over the last couple of years, both Walmart and Lowe's have started doing much more business with liquidation companies. Um, so it's it's getting harder for for guys like me to go to those places and find, uh, uh, you know, merchandise that's that's worth purchasing and, and reselling. But now there's uh, those liquidation stores. So I'm, I've been looking at those as a uh, possible sources of product. Why well, it just begs the question that why, like if I'm Lowe's CEO, I don't create, instead of selling it to a liquidator, I don't just create an Amazon section, a Lowe's Amazon section. You know, like why aren't these corporations just doing that right now? It seems to be a seam for entrepreneurs like yourself but do you think that the corporate structure will eventually just shift to that? Yeah, you know, I, I always wonder that because I'll, I'll go into a place and, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll find stuff. I'm like, man, they, you know, here, here in this location, this thing doesn't sell. But in, you know, California or, or in Wisconsin or wherever, it's people need it like right now. And I don't know if, if the hesitancy is just because the, the time, money, investment that it would take for them to, you know, have someone... Uh, doing that kind of work or, or if it's just, you know, agreements they have with manufacturers or, or how that works. But I mean, it, I, I can definitely see a lot of opportunity for, for stores to, you know, regain some of their losses. Cause when they liquidate, I mean, they're 
my assumption, I obviously I've not done this myself as a corporate uh, business owner, but my assumption is they're losing money when they liquidate. Um, and, you know, there's, there's good opportunity, opportunity for them to save some of that by, by selling on a third party platform. You think maybe they do it because there's a tax benefit to taking a loss in some of those items? Yeah. You know, that is a, yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. Cause they, they can write off tax loss as opposed to inventory cost if they sell it, you know, on yeah. Amazon. Yeah. That's interesting. It, it almost sounds like the, the Dermo DLA program where you see all that military surplus come up and it's brand new equipment and they're just dumping it. It's, it's always sad to see that. It's like, this has, there has to be a better use for this, but I mean, they're just, they're letting it, they're letting it go. It's amazing. I, that's a, so that's one of the things on my list of uh, places to start pirating. Uh, Cause you know, I think about things like that and it's like, all right, I could, you could sell this stuff on eBay. It probably wouldn't be good for Amazon, but you know, you, you get some old, uh, magazine pouches or, or, you know, whatever the case may be that is getting dermoed and there's all kinds of people that want to buy them. So that's, that's one of the things I've, I've been looking at. Cause you know, one of the things I'm doing now is trying to figure out how to grow the business because I've, I've last year I was, I was in uh, United Arab Emirates for a year. So the business didn't do a whole lot while I was gone. Uh, it it kind of survived, but uh, when I got back this summer, I really turned my attention to figuring out how I could, increase my my profit increase the uh, the amount of money coming in for that so it can be a career for me after after the military and and that's been that's been a lot of my focus lately is just turning up the business and and finding other places to, to source product yeah the, the military equipment is kind of interesting I've, I've kind of played with that a little bit and there's definitely an ebb and flow to it because you'll see stuff come on the market and you just for example, you know, um, sleeping pads, you know, like the, uh, the thermo rest pads, I saw those mm -hmm. come around. It's like all of a sudden everybody's got them. And then if you wait a little bit, wait a couple months, everybody sells out. It's like, all right, okay. I had to sit on this for a couple months, but sure enough, everybody wants a sleeping pad still. And I've got the last remaining stock and it, it's just kind of the way it goes, whether it's uniforms or boots or whatever it is, it, there's a supply and demand. And if you can kind of keep on top of it and keep track of it, you can kind of benefit yourself instead of blowing it out when everyone else is. Yeah. So you, you bring up a couple of different, there's a couple of different uh, schools of thought uh, with Amazon sellers too. So some folks will get on the listing and try to sell as fast as possible. So they'll see like, okay, the, this pair of shoes is, and I say shoes cause I've just had 200 pairs of shoes in my, in my office last week that I shipped out to Amazon. Uh, I got this pair of shoes and uh, you know, right now they're selling for uh, 49.95, but I know that there's other people on the listing for 99.95, and so some people will be like, "All right, 49.95, get it in, get it out, and get my money back." Uh, other people are like, "Well, I know this is people are going to continue to want this shoe. Uh, I'm going to go 99.95 or 79.95 and wait it out a little more and get a higher profit." Um, I'm somewhere in the middle. I uh, depending on what it is, if if I can make a quick buck, like and I was mentioned earlier about the, uh, the Academy Academy just had a huge clearance sale. And so I took a day off work and went to uh, almost every Academy in North Carolina. I think I skipped two of them and just loaded up the suburban with, <laughs> with every, every profitable piece of gear that I could get. I actually had that had to start not buying stuff that was a lower uh, return on investment just because I, I wasn't sure how high my credit card bill was. I didn't want to max it out. So I, uh, I, I just, and kind of goes to what you're saying about how product 
ebbs and flows, you know, it, it was hot. It was just stuff everywhere and I purchased it. And now you go back into Academy and there's just nothing to buy primarily because I bought it all, but also it's because, you know, they're, you know, it's one of, the, one of those things that you have to capitalize on it when it comes around. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's a little bit of, for me, I was like, okay, this stuff just seems too good to be true, but I, you got to trust the numbers. You got to say, okay, well, it, it's got a 1300 BSR. That thing's going to be gone before it hits the warehouse. And I had uh, shoes that sold while they were sitting in my office uh, that I was, I packed them up to send them into Amazon and they're already selling. So I, I got a little validation out of that. And uh, I, next year, I will not hesitate to buy every single thing that I can put in my suburban. Is storage space ever a problem for you? You talking about all those shoes in your office? <laughs> you know, it's with the model, with, with the way I do it, it's not really. Um, so I'll have, you know, like my, my office was packed there for a, a week or so as I boxed everything up. But, you know, I try to send it off every, every Sunday if I can. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll have stuff in there for a little bit and then I'll, I'll send it out. So I don't really run into much problems. Um, the house we lived in before was, you know, a lot smaller than the one we're in now. So I did have a storage unit for uh, some of my private label stuff because, you know, I'd have to buy thousands of units at a time. Uh, and so I had a little small storage unit for that, but we got a lot more space now. So we've got a little more room to breathe. When you're looking at all the costs versus Amazon and, and eBay, I know eBay has a lot of costs behind the scenes and they have seller fees and final value fees and things like that. How do you, how do you feel like the cost breakdown for what you do? Do you feel, you feel there's one advantage to one or the other? I mean, how would you, what's your determination for putting something on eBay versus, you know, Amazon? Well, I always put it on Amazon if I can. Okay. Um, if, if I can sell on Amazon, I will because uh, it's it, things sell much faster and doing FBA, I, I don't have to interact with the customer enough to do unless they email me or have a complaint. But uh, I think the, the fee schedule on eBay is uh, better. Okay. Uh, I think it's, I think it's lower in general. Um, the thing that, you know, I mean, for Amazon, you're paying for their platform and they continually right. raise their fees. Like they, there's not been a year that I've do, been doing this, so they haven't raised their fees. So they have a couple different fees with FBA. They have the, their commission. So, you know, whatever percent it is based off the sales price. And then they have uh, for FBA, they have their, uh, I think they still call it pick and pack fee. Basically, the fee they charge you to box it up and ship it out to the customer. Um, you don't pay for shipping to the customer. You just pay for them to pick and pack it. And that is based off the size and weight of the product. So, you know, you, I got most pairs of shoes. I'm paying five, five to $6 in that fee alone, just for them to box it up and send it out. Whereas if I were doing that on eBay and say I sold a pair of shoes on eBay, I would pay for the box. I would pay for, you know, any, the packing material, if I had any packing material. Uh, and then I would pay for the shipping fee unless I charge it, which I, I don't usually charge for shipping on eBay because it sells much faster if you do free shipping. Um, but then, you know, you also got to look at the other things like it, not a, not a big fee per transaction, but I'm paying for my, my laser printer. I'm paying for the, right. the labels and all that stuff. So it, it looks, it, when you look at the Amazon fees for that, it looks like it's more, but I think probably in the long run it's less, but also, you know, you're, you're selling on the platform and, it just doesn't sell as well off Amazon usually. I think one of the things um, that I was going to want to talk about was just, you know, looking to grow the business, ways, ways to grow the business. Um, Cause one of the, one of the limitations of 
doing a retail arbitrage or some people also will do online arbitrage where they, you know, they, they source stuff from online. There's some uh, software you can do use to do that because it's really hard if you try to do it on your own. Um, but, you know, it's, all that is based on availability, right? So if I, if I go to Walmart or Academy and they don't have anything that I can make money on, then I don't have anything to sell. Um, and then the private label stuff, you know, that's, you're taking risks there. So I, I, I've been looking at other things. Um, one of the things I'm looking to get into is larger products, uh, things that, you know, that might take like freight shipping, things that most people wouldn't want to mess with to resale. I was listening to a podcast the other day of a lady talking about how much money she's making to do that. And I got a little excited. So I've been, I've been looking for larger things to sell and figure out how to ship those. Give me um, an example. What's an example of a large thing? So she was talking about like a, a treadmill or, well, the, the thing she sold a bunch of was uh, the, the big fancy mattresses, the air up. Tempur-Pedic or something? Yeah. Yeah. So a mattress like that, she, she will go and buy them for like 150, 200 bucks and sell them for $3,000. And I, I don't know about you guys, but that's a pretty good return on investment for me. And so I started looking for those things all over the place uh, and I didn't find any that was worth it. But, um, you know, like th things that you're like, oh gosh, that would be a real pain to ship. Like, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the big treadmill or exercise bike or something that you put on a pallet and actually have to have someone pick up. That's something I probably won't do before I uh, transition out of Marine Corps just because, you know, be a lot more time intensive and uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that while I'm working every day, but one of the things I'm thinking of, and then uh, another thing that my wife and I were talking about this morning was making like pre-made packs. So like, you know, get well soon pack with a tea and a blanket and a, you know, little different little stuff. And, and, and I know there's people that that's their whole business model uh, is making things like that. Or like a, when it's time for a, kids to go off to college making little welcome pat form with a you know some snacks and some different little things that that are you know, just company that things that you know you could go out and buy on your own uh, and go to the store and pack them up and mail them off or you can just hit buy now on your Amazon account and it goes right to them hey it's Mother's Day and I want to send a, a nice little thing to my mom okay we, and this is probably more targeted to men because we're really lazy uh, most of us are, and we would much rather just buy something and have someone else do it for us. You don't even have to, you look like a good son and all you did was hit buy now on Amazon. Uh, so we're, we're going to start looking at stuff like that, that, that packages we can put together. And, you know, the good thing, like I was telling Audrey, the good thing is something like that. I mean, we'd, we'd have to create the listing. We'd have to do the pictures. Um, but, you know, we don't have to get in a thousand units deep. We can, put something together, do like 10 or 20 units, send it in, see if it sells. If it does, great. If it doesn't, you know, we're out a couple hundred bucks. That's something I think we're going to look at doing here in the near future just to try to expand, you know, where, where we have stuff. Randy, when the first time we were talking about this, and I know you work a full-time job as a Marine, and then hearing what a hustler you are in the after hours, you know, you've been talking about your wife. Uh, but I was blown away to find out about how large your family is. Can you just tell the listeners, do you, do you have kids? Yeah, we got, uh, we got five of those little suckers. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, really that, uh, that plays a big part in, in why I do this business. You know, I, I think one of the most important things for a, an entrepreneur in our situation is to figure out your why, like what, what motivates you, why you want to do it. 
And for me, that why is because um, I want to spend time with my family. I want to spend time with my kids. Uh, I, I, I don't want to retire from the Marine Corps, that, you know, a job that takes up a lot of your time and makes you miss a lot of a lot of family events and birthdays. And, you know, like I was gone all last year and um, I, I want to see my kids grow up. I want to be there for their soccer games. I want to be able to coach their, their basketball teams. And that's really what's motivating me to do this as a, as a post Marine Corps career vice going out and getting a, a job for some corporation and making, making some other person rich uh, or, going to work as a government employee, a government civilian, and, you know, dealing with the same bureaucracy that I have been for the last 21 years. I, I really, my, the thing that really drives me, my, my why is, is being able to be around my family. And for me, and I, and I think probably for most people, that's, that's really important because you're going to hit times. Like when I, when I was doing my uh, private label stuff, I, you know, I hit some times where I, I just, I was like, man, I don't know if this is worth it. I don't, it, it, I was not doing great on sales and I was spending money. And that's, that really is one of the things that drove me to change my model. But also I just have to keep that motivation in mind for myself that I'm doing this to give myself the kind of lifestyle I want to have. So I can set my own schedule. I can, you know, make, make the hours that I want them to be and, uh, and be around the kids and, and my wife. It's awesome. And, and just to make the point, you know, you're talking about wanting to get away from the Marine Corps, but even if you're not a Marine, if you're a spouse or if you're, you're anyone, this business model that we spent the last 55 minutes talking about can be tailored to anyone's lifestyle. Is that correct? Absolutely. And, and I, I've, I've told so many people, so many Marines about this, uh, either for themselves or for their, for their spouse. I mean, because everybody goes places, everybody goes shopping. And it's one of those things that you just, you know, you don't have to start off doing, you know, $10,000 a month. You can start off making a hundred bucks a month. You can start off making, you know, just a little bit extra money on the side and uh, making that car payment, you know, that, and that's, that's one thing that is a, is a good way to get into something like this is set a goal. Um, okay. My, my goal is to cover my $400 car payment this month or every month. And, you know, you, you go from there, you, you, you let it get to the point where you're learning the, the system and learning the products and making a little money. And then you, you, if you're comfortable there, then you, you push it to something else. That's awesome. All right, Brandon, a uh, good friend of mine, Marine Corps has got the side hustle of an Amazon store. And this was super interesting. I think that there's a lot of people that listen to the show that are looking for creative ways to create passive income. And this is something that you can make a full-time thing, but I think your advice there at the end in terms of, you know, lean into it in terms of just go for a hundred dollars, slowly work your way in, and then you can scale up if it's something that works for you. I thought was the <clears throat> real sage advice. So the purpose of the show is that there's no better time to, to go out there and achieve success if you want it, similar to what we were just talking about with our kids. If there was someone that was listening and an aspiring entrepreneur, what's one piece of advice you would give them before we close this up? Yeah, I, I think uh, just to restate what I said earlier, fi find what motivates you because um, you're undoubtedly going to run into some some hard times in a business or some times where you just you just don't have the motivation to do it or you're tired or, you know, you got a million other things going on. So you just you have to find what motivates you. Find find your why and, uh, and just always keep that in perspective. Awesome. Hey, That's thanks, great. Brandon. We really appreciate having you on. 
and uh yeah I'll see you see you tomorrow <laughs> all right yeah thanks guys appreciate it all right, later, likewise man. it was great talking to you you too thanks all right